I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. We are continuing our series today about accessing your inner child through type two. So as a reminder, I want to treat it almost like a bucket list of ideas that you can pull from. So for type two, we're talking about the soul child for you, which is type four. Now, if you aren't familiar with the soul child, I do have an old series on the soul child, but essentially it's the theory that where you go in rest on the Enneagram is who you were as a kid and that somewhere along the way you learned to protect that version of yourself through the personality of your dominant type structure. So for type two, that would mean when you were little, you were a little four. And as you grew, you learned that being a four, being on your own, being self-referencing, having big emotions, that that wasn't okay. So you learned to cover that up through being helpful, supportive, and likable. So I'm going to read to you directly from Sandra Maitri's book on the soul child of two. These are her words. This may not always be the way that I would phrase something, but she is kind of the godmother of the soul child. And so we are going to read directly from her. Now, this is how she talks about the soul child of two. Behind the loving, giving, and helpful outer facade of a two lies a competitive, jealous, and spiteful little four-ish soul child. Twos try to present themselves as sweet and kind, self-sacrificing, humble, all of which can be seen as very much a reaction to the darker tendencies of their soul child. This is a little boy who wants to scream, I hate you, to the other little boy who got the teacher or mommy's attention, pull his hair and tell him how awful he is and how stupid he is too. He's very observant about who gets how many cookies, tries to grab the most and the best, and reacts with spite and venom if he does not get what he wants. He is filled with envy, believing the other kids have what he lacks and that they are better than he, cuter and more lovable. He can be, he uses the word bitchy and backbiting, vindictive and huffy. For a two, the negativity and pettiness of his soul child are often initially difficult to acknowledge and tolerate. It threatens all of his pretense of open-heartedness and harmlessness, but most of all, it puts him first. This is, in fact, the very thing necessary for a two's unfoldment. Getting in touch with himself is central. As a two contacts his soul child, and instead of rejecting him, judging him, and pushing him away, opens his heart to him, he will become primarily in his own consciousness. This is very taboo for a two, who learned that being self-centered set him up for parental disapproval. He will find that as he focuses more on himself, listening to and filling his own needs, responding to his own impulses and taking his own initiative, recognizing his limits and setting them with others, he indeed becomes more centered within himself. This is not the negative thing he feared, signifying loss of love and becoming more selfish to him, but rather it's a doorway into his personal connection with being. The more he takes care of himself instead of others, in other words, the more he connects with the spark of the divine within, realizing himself as the point, instead of having others be the point of his existence around whom he orbits, he finds himself one with being a star in his own universe. Okay, so for our twos here, you're gonna find this a little itchy, I think, because a lot of the bucket list items I have for you have you exploring your innate selfishness. And I love the conversation that we're having here about the four and the two, because one of the things that twos that have really done a lot of work 
they will look me in the eye and say, we don't think we're selfish, but we're actually extremely selfish. And that is some gorgeous work for a two to understand how being like the other's focus that they're doing is actually self-serving in nature. So a lot of what I'm having you do is, is do selfishness without, so that you can break free of the giving with expectation element of who you are. Because when our cup is full, we get to give without strings attached. And I can say this from being a seven, right? If I choose to give to you, I don't need anything in return because I am so well taken care of by me that if I'm giving, it is not in hopes of receiving in return. It is a genuine act of kindness. And that is where I want you to get to. I, not that I'm like goals, right? Because I have my own stuff to work through. This just ha- doesn't happen to be it, right? So for you, if you're working toward being able to give without expectation, I hope that you give this a go, okay? Because the first one I'm going to give you is going to be the one that makes you want to turn the podcast off and say, (laughs) she doesn't get me at all. But the truth is I'm telling you to do these things because I do get you completely. And I've seen through my eyes, through working with people, through knowing really healthy twos, what it looks like on the other side of doing these things. So I want that for you. Number one, embrace selfish. Give yourself your own undivided attention and see that as a positive thing. I've never seen twos matter at me than when I told them to use selfish as their word of the year this year. And I got that because a really healthy two that I follow online or what I perceive to be a healthy two, I don't know her in real life, but someone I follow online, she's a two and she chose her, the word selfish for her year. And I was like, that is brilliant and so self-supportive. And I was like, I'm going to use that for the twos. And y'all were real mad at me. Okay, like y'all were rared up <laughs> and we're, a lot of y'all were just like, absolutely not, cannot be me, could not be me. I'm offended that you even brought this up. How dare you? And I think that that's often a really good sign that we're onto something old, right? Like what's that phrase when it's hysterical, it's historical, that is information that it hits somewhere deeper than my little meme on Instagram. And so I'm going to keep pushing you guys toward that. I'm going to keep using that word because I do think it is the right thing for you to do. I think embracing selfishness is goal because again, if you are so well taken care of, then all that love that you have to give can come from a place of pure joy and actual pleasure to give rather than why do I always take care of everyone else and no one takes care of me? Why do I always like bleed myself dry for people? Why can't I have boundaries? Embrace selfish. And if even if you have to play with that energy, like if I'm giving it to you as a bucket list item, let's say once a month you take a selfish. Like if you ever watched the show Shit's Creek, they talk about taking a selfish. And what if you take a selfish one time a month, you take a selfish, you communicate with the people in your life. This is my selfish day. 
I'm going to do everything that I want to do. Consequences be damned. I'm not going to think about how it impacts anyone else. I'm just focusing on myself. And here's the thing. It sounds so scary. It sounds so like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to like abandon my family that day and everyone's going to feel rejected by me and everyone's going to be hurt or I'm going to, you know, everything's going to fall apart. You are not that special. Okay. And you are not that mean. And I'm saying that with love, like your family will be fine. The people in your life will be fine for a day, right? They can handle it. They're adults or even if they're children, there's adults around. You can ask for help. And, you know, you're you're not going to go crazy. It's not like if someone has an emergency, you're not going to be available for them. It's just like you're going to choose where you want to eat that day. And you're probably going to have a little more alone time. Or maybe you're going to be a little bit particular about where you go and what you do for fun. Like, it's not that deep. Okay, number two. Take yourself on a date. And I love this one for twos because I want you to romance yourself. Like go full tilt, like take it to the furthest extreme. All the things that you wish a romantic partner would do for you, do for yourself. Book a reservation ahead of time. Go to a restaurant you've always wanted to try. Take the entertainment that you want to take. You know, if you want to scroll on your phone, scroll on your phone. If you want to read a book, read a book. If you want to journal, journal. Whatever feels romantic to you. Do you want to go watch the sunset off of a mountain? Do that with yourself. Enjoy that. Be present with it. If you want to go watch a certain movie, if you want to go to a certain dessert place, you know, do whatever feels really romantic and enticing to you. A lot of times twos get caught up in like no one's romancing me, no one's like pursuing me in the ways that I want to be pursued and they're not communicating what that even looks like. And I think they're often not communicating what that looks like because they haven't quite nailed it down. They know what they want to feel like, but they don't quite know how to get to that feeling. And it's really empowering to put yourself in the driver's seat of making yourself feel the way you want to feel. So if you want to feel encouraged, encourage yourself. If you want to feel loved, love yourself, right? Like give yourself unconditional love. If you want to feel seen, witness yourself, right? If you want to be romanced, romance yourself, like take yourself out, do the things that you always wish someone else would do for you. I wrote in the Enneagram letters an essay about when I was first kind of becoming a step parent and all the like invisible moments that I was experiencing and how I wished someone would see me in those moments. And I realized like I can see myself in these moments. Of course, I can communicate with my partner and say, hey, can you encourage me here? But also at the root of it, it's more valuable, even more important that I'm able to do that for myself. So being in moments and saying, hey, I'm really proud of you. Like, look what you're doing. You are so kind. You're so loving. I'm so proud of you. Look at what you're handling. Like, have those conversations. Number three, what art have you always wanted to do and haven't done that you never feel like you have time for? Give yourself a season where that's your priority. I like to have like little seasonal hobbies. So right now it's knitting. In the winter, I like to puzzle a lot. In the summer, I like to paint. In the spring, I like to do a lot of like floral stuff. Baking is a continual hobby. Pick out a thing that you always wished you would do and give yourself a season to do it. Learn a new skill. Number four, get bored and do that alone. Art is made in boredom, right? We cannot create 
if we are not bored, in my opinion. So much of our life is completely built around the input of other people. We are constantly around people in person. We're constantly consuming content on social media. We're often like reading, listening to podcasts, listening to music. Like we're constantly inputting and it's very hard to be creative, to step away, to make something new, to express yourself, your feelings, and kind of tap into that four in you if you don't allow yourself to be bored in silence, actually bored out of your mind. Number five, explore jealousy as a quick access point to your needs and what you should ask for. So our fours are really in tune with jealousy and envy, right? They have a sense of like, if only I could have blank, then I would feel the way that I wanted to feel, right? And so in underneath a lot of our two-ness, a lot of the two-ness you have, it's four-ness, right? It's like this deep desire for what other people have. And so if you can pay attention to the moments where you feel envy, If instead of rejecting that emotion, denying that emotion, if instead you can honor it as a need or a desire of your own, you can then know what your needs are. Because one of the biggest struggles for two is they spend so much time focused on the needs of others that they deny the needs they have themselves. So if you can treat jealousy or envy as a welcome emotion, as information to more of who you are then you're able to actually know what you want, know what you need, know what you need to ask for, know what you need to prioritize in terms of your own self-interests and your own time. So an example of how this could work is if you notice that kind of burning jealousy sensation arise, just kind of go, what in this do I want? What of this do I want? Is it the kind of the praise that this person's receiving? Is it the house they have? Is it the job they have? Is it the partnership that they have? And then go about creating that for yourself. Number six, take a birthday week. So when your birthday comes around, don't just, you know, kind of hope someone does something without you having to ask. And then when it doesn't happen, be really disappointed. Don't do that. Take a birthday week, celebrate it every single day that week, indulge in the fact that you are still alive, embrace it. You don't have to make it like anybody else's problem. Like if you're worried about people thinking some kind of way about it, like don't, don't make it their problem, but focus on yourself. Like do what you need to do. Take a selfish for a whole week and see how it feels. Number seven, make yourself an altar or like a magic corner. Now I I don't know, you know, everybody has different like belief systems, different ways that they connect to the divine, whatever works for you is awesome. And if you're similar to me and you're like, I don't really connect to the divine, maybe you do that through your creativity, through kind of meditation, through oneness, you know, I'm much more of like a humanist, maybe you connect through that lens, but whatever you do, create a space in your home, in your life that is intended for ritual. So maybe it's a place you go to pray. Maybe it's a place you go to meditate. Maybe it's a place you go to pull cards or to journal or to read a book that grounds you and connects you. Maybe it's a place you go sit and you read poetry or you write letters to your loved ones 
but create a space in your life and in your home that is intended for connection, ritual, and pleasure. That's what, you know, our fours do this so well. They connect to ritual. They connect to kind of deeper meaning and slowness and stillness in ways that, you know, they linger and enjoy things for like longer. So give that to yourself as well. Number eight, carve out an hour for yourself, whether this is every day or every week. There's some twos when I say carve out an hour every day, they're like, okay, totally, I can do that. When I say carve out an hour a week, they might, some others might say that's not possible. Whatever you are, carve out an hour, carve it out once a week, carve it out once a day, whatever you can do that is just for you. For reference, I carve out (laughs) from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. That is mostly me time. Now, granted, we have a kiddo every other week. So when our kiddo is here, about an hour of that, six to seven, is focused on the kiddo, right? But generally, like three to four hours every morning just for myself. And then in the evening, often another 30 minutes to an hour just to myself. And then on the weekends, hours upon hours, okay? Like hours upon hours. So be mindful that like you're probably taking less than you could take, you know, and still have loving, healthy, sustained relationships. Because when you allow that space, you allow room for other people to step up and participate. If you are filling in all the gaps of your relationships and you are playing everybody's role, no one else gets to play the game because you're doing everybody's job. So if you can give yourself time, pull back, then you are giving opportunity and space for other people to play and participate. All right, number nine, journal on your resentments. So set a timer. You know, I'd love for you to do this once a day, once a week, whatever you need. But set a timer, maybe three minutes, five minutes, and list out everything you feel just resentful for right now. Access that resentment, access the things that you just like wish someone else would do already. And then beside it, ask yourself, do I want to change this or accept it? If I want to accept it, great, you know, just move on and start to meditate on acceptance, right? When it, when that feeling comes up, go, I've chosen to accept this. When, if you choose to change it, write down, what do I need to do to make that change? Who do I need to communicate with? What action do I need to take? And where are we going with this, right? So tap into your anger, honor that emotion, and then choose how do you want to move forward. That way, when you're in a situation in the future, you feel resentment, you can acknowledge to yourself, like if you've chosen it, or if you'd like to move forward. Additionally, you can recheck in with these any time you want. Maybe acceptance felt right and the start and then the next day acceptance no longer feels right and you choose to change it either way honor it lastly number 10 this is something i read in a book that i don't even think i can say the name of on the podcast but it is by mama gina it was a really good book for me at a time that i needed it and in it she talks about swamping meaning when you have a negative emotion 
leaning in. She even talks about like, put dirt on your face. Like, wear a garbage bag. Walk like a troll. Like, stomp around. You know, I don't think you have to even go that far. I think you can just go, you can just lean in a little. Honor it. Assume it's not there to harm you or others. And listen to what it has to say to you. And oftentimes, right, like, our twos, like, want to be this, like, perfect, loving, kind, likable person. And negative emotions feel like a real hindrance to that sometimes. And so if you can tap into the little foreign you that just wants to feel it, that just wants to feel it, let them have that moment, meet them with kindness, and then you can choose how you act in response to it. It's not like, oh, you're going to feel all your feelings and then you're just going to act crazy. Like, no, like you get to choose your behavior still, but just like honor the emotion. And and I think over exaggerating it can be a really sweet way to play with it. To just kind of go, I'm grumpy. I'm mad about this. I'm feeling so unseen and like pout about it, you know, like let yourself pout about it. And then you can honor it so that you can move through it so that you can know what you really need and want from it. Why is it here? What's it what's it trying to tell you? All right. So that is my bucket list for our type twos getting in touch with your inner child. I hope you give some of these a try. I know it's not always the easiest list, but I think it's a worthwhile one. As always, it is an absolute joy to create this content for you. I'll see you tomorrow for the next one. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.